Yo, yo, what up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do With My Life podcast. I am your host, Jacob Sokol. And if this is your first time to the podcast, well, let me welcome you, number one. And number two, let you know, this is a place where we look at how to reach your fullest potential. How do you live with more happiness, success, and purpose while simultaneously navigating the current challenges and opportunities of today. The traditional roadmap for success doesn't work anymore. And no one's really talking about that. Our parents still want us to do this and our society wants us to do that. But when we look at the realities of the world, the realities of the marketplace, the realities of life, there's a whole new game being played that not many people are talking about right now. And that's what we look at here. So I've done interviews with world-class positive psychologists like Tal Ben-Shahar, who's taught the most popular class at Harvard of all time. I've interviewed uh, Jonathan Haidt, another amazing thinker, uh, Heidi Grant Halverson on the science of motivation and goal setting. I've interviewed neuroscientists like Rick Hansen, author of Buddha's Brain, and, and also people on peak performance, right? How do you reach your fullest potential showing up every day in a way that you are proud of when you go to bed. So I've interviewed people like Tony Schwartz on the power of full engagement. I've interviewed Daniel Coyle who wrote The Talent Code which dissects mastery in the 10,000 hour idea. Um, So today's interview is with my good, good friend, uh, Phil Drolet. And Phil Phil is just a world-class dude. He's just one of my best friends, he's an amazing guy. And he's a world-class peak performance coach who helps take great men to the highest levels of success. He's a really badass dude. Phil's spoken at places like Stanford, UCLA, TEDx. Uh, He's been featured on Entrepreneur.com, Fast Company. And he even got quoted by Richard Branson in Richard Branson's latest book. Phil coaches people ranging from startup founders to multimillionaire businessmen to UFC fighters and CEOs. And if you want to dive deeper into Phil's story, I interviewed him a few years back, and we actually have that interview in the in this podcast under uh, episode number 20. Okay, But today's interview is, is packed with goodness. So here are some of the things that you'll learn that we're going to dive into. We'll talk about the number one mistake that 95% of people make when it comes to reaching their fullest potential with their work. We'll talk about a five-minute daily practice to unlock your work potential and move your vision forward. We'll talk about how to optimize the five core areas of your life. And if you're not sure what those are, well, wait a few minutes and you'll find out. And we'll talk about an exercise to unlock your unique keys to success. Not mine, not Phil's. Not one that you're going to read in a book, but your own unique keys to success. In addition to how to strategically design opportunities to radically upgrade to the next phase of your life so that you're not just hoping that your life gets better, but you're strategically planning, here's how I'm going to rock it and make it to the next level. But with no further ado, let's jump in. Phil, my dude, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, man. I'm excited to jump. Yeah, bro. I uh, I'm particularly stoked to to kick it with you. You're one of my closest homies, and just one of the biggest inspirations, and you know, homeboys on my side through this crazy journey of life over the last six years. And you know, being so close to your journey as well, 
one of the things that I've seen is that, yeah, you know, I think it was 2013, 2014, you're, you're really crushing it, really picking up steam and momentum with making a difference, doing work that was deeply inspiring for you. And you really, you know, decided to um, shift gears a bit and to go down uh, what, what seemed like a different path or at least a detour. And I'm wondering, you know, when it comes to the last two or three years of your life, um, what's one uh, or what's been like the most surprising lesson that you've learned about what it takes to actually reach your highest potential? Yeah, so 2013, I was on a great trajectory, picking up steam, picking up success. And my mindset at the time was that the key to more success was to work harder, to be more disciplined. It was more of the same, essentially. And I really hit that wall in 2014 where the old adage of what got you here, what got, won't get you there really came alive. So essentially what happened is now – if I'm driving a car, I'm not pressing harder on the gas. I just learned to put down the parking brake for a really long time. I realized I was driving with the parking brake on, but I was flooring that bad boy and I was still able to go pretty fast, but there was so much friction and that was really exhausting and just kind of really damaging in a way. And I've put the parking brake down, so I don't need to press so hard on the, on the gas and I can still go a lot faster than I used to. Hmm. So break that break that down for us into you know practicalities for someone who's listening. What did that look like in your day to day, and how has that changed for you and what your day to day looks like now? Mm. Well, I'll still stay conceptual, and then I'll, I'll get practical. So I think a lot of overachievers, and certainly myself included, we work really hard to prove ourselves, to feel like we're worthy. And it's this like ongoing quest of if I make more money, if I help more people, if I achieve more accolades, then I'll be proud of myself. Then I'll appreciate myself. And I would say probably 90 to 99% of uh, high achievers in society are still driven from that fuel. And I realized that there's, you know, we can flip the script and learn to appreciate ourselves, appreciate our life, have a healthy, peaceful relationship with ourselves. And then from this place, then we can work and create from inspiration, from contribution. So day to day, I spend a lot of time, you know, every morning just being at peace with who I am, where I'm at, where I'm going, like loving this moment, loving this phase of the journey, loving this version of myself. And then from this place, try to, to, to do more and to, you know, get to the next level, whatever that might look like. So that's a really, really big part of it. And then the, the other part is, Understanding that performance is a function of two things. It's a function of work and it's a function of recovery. So you can try to optimize your work part, how many hours you're, you're you know, at your computer, you're making sales calls, you're creating content, whatever. But we can also work at optimizing the recovery so that when it's time to work, we're fresh, we're excited, ready to go as opposed to being exhausted. And once again, I would say that 90 to 99% of high achievers in the world are in a state of chronic fatigue. They don't realize it because that's just where they're at, but they're always tired, and so they, they can try to work really hard, but if they spend a little bit more time resting and recovering, they would actually produce and perform better and, um, and, and be happier at the same time. 
Mm. So I know this is hard to generalize because you're not talking to someone specifically uh, when I ask you this question, but here, here would be my question is, what's your number one tip for people who want to optimize their uh, work and also number one tip for people to optimize their recovery? Cool. So for the work, what I, I call the, the, the black um, is the, the number one tip. The, the, the one mistake I see people make all the time is that they start working without having made a clear game plan for the day. So I see that there's three facets to our work as entrepreneurs, as creators, or you know, business people as well. Visionary, manager, employee. Visionary is the part of us that sees the big picture, that sees where we're trying to go. The manager breaks it up into pieces and organizes the steps, and then the employee executes. I see a lot of people jump into employee mode way too quickly. So they sit down in the morning and they just start to work on like stuff without necessarily having made a solid game plan. So the number one tip is every morning, spend five to 10 minutes organizing your day, uh, making a list of priorities, uh, not just a to-do list, but like a strategic to-do list. Where it's like, I'm gonna do this first, I'm gonna do this second. These are things I'm gonna do if I have time, but they're secondary. And just taking that five minutes so that when you sit down to work, you can attack strategically and methodically what you have to do instead of floating around and, and being all over the place. So, number one, for work. Number two, for recovery. Let me, let me, let me actually yep. jump in right there. So then let's, let's go another layer deeper into that. So if someone wanted to utilize that today or tomorrow and they, they, they put aside the five minutes to kind of really dig into this practice, um, how can they best use those five minutes? What, what do they do during that time? Thank you. So... Take a, a journal or a notebook, and then you're at the top of the page, you're going to write BT, and on the, on the right side, on the left side, it's going to be BT. On the right side, it's going to be LT, and then you're going to draw a line in the middle. BT. BT, like balling things? <laughs> Big things. <laughs> Big things, okay. And then LT is little things. So on the left side of your page, you have your big things. You generally want to do maybe two of those, maybe three, maybe it's only one. But what is that core thing today that will really move the needle for me? So uh, I'll use an example from my day today. I went on an event all weekend. So my first big thing was to take an hour to debrief everything I learned this weekend and create an action plan, action plan based on that. That's a big thing. That's a challenging thing, but that really moves the needle. And second was to make a list of all the changes I want to get done on my website and send that to my developer. Those were my two big things for the day. If I did that, I knew that it was really going to move the needle. And then I have a bunch of little things, follow-ups, emails to send, uh, got to fill out some paperwork for something. No, 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 no. So big things, one to three, and then little things, there can be, there can be more. But the key is that you're always going to start with the big things. You're not allowed to do the small things or the little things until you've done the big things. Hmm. So, you know, take the first two hours of the day, knock out the big things, and then you can get into your inbox and texting someone and blah, 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 but never move to the little things until you're done with the big things. If you do that every single day, within six months, you'll be light years ahead of where you would have been if you were still you know, caught up in, in, in minutia or little things are somewhat incon inconsequential. Mm, light years ahead. You'd be like on Saturn somewhere returning at this You point. might be in a universe. You might be in a different dimension I, I don't know. This is like 
this is pretty strong stuff. <laughs> so BT is defined by things that move the needle forward, ultimately things that aren't just keeping up with today's tasks or fires to put out, but these are things that actually take your vision and they, they bring you steps closer toward it. Is that right? Precisely. This is really building my dream. This is getting me closer to this destination. Little things are making sure that my life doesn't fall apart and that I can stay in integrity and honor my commitments in this moment. So I'm going to do a little bit of both every day. Awesome. So then take us to your number one tip for recovery. Number one tip for recovery, I would say, is to figure out what it is for you. What's an activity that really recharges you? So I'll list a few examples. Then I'd love to, to hear from you, Jacob, what, what that might be for you. But so a, a few recovery activities I like to do is go to the movie theater, uh, get a massage, go to the sensory deprivation tank, go for a hike in nature, uh, go to ecstatic dance. Those are like some of my, my, you know, hang out with my girlfriend, cuddle. Those are some of my favorite ones. And then it's to start to create a structure so that these things, at least one of them happens every single week. So to have what I call an optimal recovery protocol so that we all know these things are fun. We all have our version of them. But when we're busy trying to build a company and trying to, you know, do whatever, we forget. And it's like, oh, my God, I love dancing. I haven't been dancing for two months. What happened? Well, let's start to create some structures around it. So what that looks like for me, every Friday I go get a massage slash like energy healing work. Every Sunday night, I go to the sensory deprivation tank to help me kind of prepare for the week. Every two weeks, I go to ecstatic dance on Thursday night. Um, those are some of my core ones. I try to go camping once a month. So this is a very like yang sort of masculine approach to it. It's like, let's schedule it. Let's have a structure. But I think for everybody to just have a bit more of an intentional game plan to make sure that these activities that really help you recover and feel better and, and stay on top of your game week after week, they don't get forgotten. They're like locked in to your calendar. So my question to you, Jacob, what would be for you one example of one thing that really helps you recover and how could you make sure that it happens regularly as opposed to going weeks, you know, because you, you got busy? Mm. For me, the number one thing that I use day to day is going for a run. Because a run really drops me into my body and I actually come up with my best ideas. Like let's say a, uh, one of my clients will email me and sure, I could respond right there on the spot. But actually sometimes if, if we're really working on a high level strategy or we're really working to break them through to the next level, it's about me making sure I'm in my most optimized state so that I can get my clearest thoughts, my most creative ideas, the best wisdom to support this person with. And so... You know, if it's if I'm in a, a place where I'm fully engaged in work and, and like I'm super present, then then sure. But like you're saying, for me, it is also about catching myself when I'm kind of towards the end of that optimal work phase and then making sure that I transition and I say, all right, it's time to go for a run. And what I'll actually notice is that subconsciously the ideas will start to come when I'm disengaged from the traditional kind of left-brained, I'm going to think my way through and empower my way through to get to this idea. Mm, great. And I think that that opens up a nice distinction, which is in terms of recovery protocols, there'd be the, I don't know how we could call that, like the active ones and the passive ones. Mm. Going for a run will help you recover. It will switch gears, but it's still an effort. Mm. It's not, I go running, you know, several times a week, but it's not like the most fun thing in the world. It's nice. For, for me, it but, is, but hey. Okay, well, 
Sorry. Um, I think it's good to have those things and also have a few things that are just like straight up fun. Like getting a massage is awesome. For me, going to the sensory deprivation tank is awesome. So to have a mix of like these things that helps us recover and, and access our subconscious mind that are a little bit more like, okay, I got to like get my ass up and go versus things I'm like, oh my God, I've been looking forward to this massage all week. I'm just going to lay down and like melt and, and, and really chill. So it's having a big mix of both that I think really allows us to stay fresh, stay invigorated and, and stay on top of our game week after week, month after month. Mm, yeah, got it. And then it's it's also like on a daily level, on yeah. maybe we'll say a weekly level and then from a high level perspective on like a quarterly or even annual level. And so for for me, they're like for you're saying a static dance isn't going to be something that you do every single day, but it's a practice that you have each week to keep you plugged in. Uh, I know that you've taken you know trips to Bali or to Peru in order to really disconnect and and rejuvenate on a more spiritual on a kind of deeper more macro level. And for me, as as you know, I've got a trip coming up to uh, to Russia for no good reason whatsoever than just to like chill out and and recover uh, and to connect more deeply to myself. Um, so, so I love that distinction. Uh, anything else come, come up for you here before we, before we move on from this topic? No, I think to, to wrap that loop, if you're listening to this and you really, this feels like, oh, that could really be me. The exercise, if you want to take 15 minutes to, to journal on this is what are the things I need to do daily, weekly, and yeah, like every one to three months that will help me recover. So daily, after dinner, I always like to watch one episode of something on Netflix. Daily. I like to do that. It helps me recover. Weekly would be like the sensory deprivation thing. And like Jacob, you said, you know, maybe every quarter taking a little vacation, taking a trip, taking like a road trip. So once we have a clear idea of what are those like daily, weekly, and periodically, then making sure they happen. From there, you really bulletproof yourself against burnout because you can't get completely exhausted if you're honoring these things. And uh, not only you're not going to burn out, but you're going to stay, um, you know, stay optimal. So that's a fun exercise, and really will make a big difference. And there's such a massive low-hanging fruit there for most people. It's like literally, your life can be better, you can perform better, you can make more money by learning to chill more and chill more strategically. That feels like that's a that's a good thing to check <laughs> to look into to me. Yeah, I love it. So one thing that's always fascinated me about the work that you do is that you work with people from a wide variety of different industries. You work with people who are CEOs and you're working with them to create, you know, a billion dollar business. You work with a, a world-class UFC fighter. You work with people who are in finance. Like you work with people in, in all of these different areas in, in the world. And I'm wondering, you know, how do you approach that? Like, what are the core principles or frameworks or even the lens at which you you look uh, through when you're helping these people that um, that lets you serve uh, these really high performing people, no matter what industry they're in? Mm. What I've observed over time is that most really high performers that we look at and, and people that most of us look up to and really admire. When we really get a little bit closer and start to zoom in, most people are at like 70 or 80% of their true potential, even the ones that are doing amazingly well. 
their full potential might be highest than just about anyone on the planet. But even though right now they're, they're, they're crushing it, they're not at their 100%. And so starting from this place, it's like, okay, so let's start to look where they might be getting on their own way or uh, neglecting some aspects of their lives. And it's really difficult to master the, the, four, the five core areas of life at the same time. So you have your health, your fitness, you have your relationships, both with friends, with clients, with uh, obviously romantic partners. You have your spirituality, you have your career, and you have your finances. And I don't know very many people in the world who can uphold being a, like a 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 for all of them. So consistently, you know, you focus a little bit on something, you're focusing on your career. Oh, now your, you know, your relationship with your wife starts to go downhill a little bit. Okay, now we got to look there. So I always know that no matter how well someone is doing, there's always something that they can use support with. And the question is always, how can we raise this aspect of their life without neglecting the other ones? Or even better, how can we raise this? How can we make this person's relationship with his wife better so that everything else will get better? So we take away the dichotomy of like career versus relationship and we start to create an integrated model where actually doing better in your relationship will make your career better and doing better in your career will make your relationship better and finding those synergies. That's that's what really fires me up and, and I think that's where the, the crux of my work uh, exists. So I, I love that question. It's almost like you asked it to yourself on behalf of me. So how can we improve uh, some of these areas without neglecting the other ones? Well, I think it's understanding from a fundamental level that there is a way to live life where all the parts support the whole. And we got to move away from like either I can make money or I can be spiritual. And a lot of in society, we see a lot of that. There's just kind of like this this existing dichotomy that like you have to choose. You either can be, you know, really fit or you can have fun and, and you know, live it up and party. But you can have both. Actually, you can. So it's starting to really think, okay, well, how is it possible to have six-pack abs and to be able to have a few drinks with friends on Friday night? So, you know, just, just fundamentally believing that it's possible is the first step. And then second, it's starting to look like, all right, what is the happy middle that allows me to, to balance all these things? I, I really believe that it's possible to have your cake and eat it too, but it's a really like, it, it's a really fine balance. Like to have, to, to, to crush it in your career and to have an amazing relationship, it's possible, but we got to start by taking out all the things that are like distractions, that are just like bad habits, all this stuff that brings us down. There's not enough time for that. So we got to cut these things out and then make sure that we're allocating enough energy to all the areas of our life, but not not too much. You know, the moment you give too much to your career, now it's detrimental. So let's say 40 hours would be optimal, but 50 is too much. We got to start to figure out, okay, I'm going to stop at 40. That extra 10, where is it optimally allocated? So I know this is pretty conceptual, but that's the, the general idea that we got to start to see like, okay, uh, I want to be fit. Well, can I work out, you know, 30 minutes a, a day or is it like an hour a day? Like maybe what's the minimum that I can do in my, in my exercise that will still keep me really, really fit and then reallocate the extra time to something else and then just not waste time on, you know, stupid shit. Hmm. Cool. So you mentioned 
uh, it starts by believing that it's possible. And I know for a lot of people listening, or at least a percentage of them, if you're like me at some point in your life, you're like, well, how the fuck am I supposed to just believe that it's possible? And I, I still have that a little bit with certain things. How do you help someone who's just like, dude, that's how am I supposed to believe that that's possible when my life has shown me the opposite? Yeah. Um, let, let's try to work with a, a specific example. Let's. Uh, can you think of like something in the past for you or maybe someone you know or a situation you see where someone in their, their real life, it just seems impossible to have it all, where they have to pick between one and the other? Any typical scenario that comes to mind? Well, like if I work less to focus on my family, then the business is going to fall apart or something like that. Right. Okay. So first of all, okay, if, if the idea is that I want to reduce my workload from 60 to 40 hours a week, you know, I, I want to be able to leave the office by five and not work on weekends. Well, that's what everybody wants, I think. But it's like, oh, but there's like so much freaking work. Like, how can I do that? It's like, well, okay, for one, we got to zoom into your work and see where you're wasting time, where you're being inefficient. Almost ask yourself the question, if I only had 40 hours a week to work, to get everything done, how would I do it? If I had to get it done in 40 hours a week, how would I do it? And then forcing yourself to figure it out. And there is a way. But if we are allowing ourselves to work on Saturdays, then, then we're not kind of utilizing this creative power of ours. So if I had to work only 40 hours a week, how would I do it? And journaling on that and reflecting on that. So you probably have to be more efficient. You probably have to delegate more. You probably have to be more organized. Probably have to spend less time on Facebook. Probably have to stop texting people when you're at the office. All of these things would need to get cut out. We've got to cut out the fat. Mm. Then the second thing is understanding that our productivity is highly correlated with how good we feel. So if you have an amazing weekend with your, your, your family, yeah, you're not at the office. You're not getting work done but you're charging up. Sunday night you go to bed, you're like, wow, that was such an amazing weekend. I feel so filled with love, with memories, with like fresh air. I can't wait to get into the office tomorrow morning. So that version of you comes in Monday morning and that version of you can get done in 40 hours where the tired, not spending time with his family, feeling bad about it version of yourself would take 60. So a big part of it is how do we create conditions where we're feeling like high vibration, we're feeling inspired, we're feeling energized, and understanding that when we do that, everything else works better. So, you know, that's just a framework. So cutting out the fat and then allocating time to the family, to things that energize you, and then knowing that from this place, you're going to be, you know, much better at work, much more productive, performant, and uh, and fun to be around for your co-workers as well. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh- it makes me think back to a time in my life when I was experimenting maybe two or three years ago and <clears throat> I wanted to be I wanted to increase my productivity. And so the way that I did that was that I said, Okay, if I wanna get better results than I'm currently getting, what I'm gonna do is I'm only gonna allow myself to work four hours a day. Mm. And it was it was uh, like the quote from um, I think it's the Dalai Lama. He's like, you know, when I have a, a when I have a really busy day, 
uh, he, he's like he's like basically normally I meditate for an hour a day, but on days when I'm really 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 busy and there's a lot to do, I meditate two hours a day. Yeah, it, it kind of like flips it on its head. Uh, for me, it was the fact that I was giving myself less time meant that I needed to focus on the number one uh, most important tasks, or as you would put it, the BTS. Yep. And uh, and that's what what this advice makes me think of. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, like I, I said earlier, I was at this uh, kind of business conference over the weekend, and one of the CEOs that was talking, he works seven hours a day, four days a week. So it doesn't work Fridays. And one of the, the questions he, he posed to the audience, which I thought was good, is, you know, first, think about what is, if I want to have my dream lifestyle, which guardrails do I need to put in place? And which things that I need, like, if you decide I don't want to work on Fridays, that's a possibility. So that's a guardrail. Now within the new parameters, okay, I only have four days. How can I get it done? And then humans were really good at creating solutions and coming up with ideas when we have good parameters. But if it's just like, well, I want to be as productive as possible, but we have no guardrails, well, you know, the case could be made that working seven days a week would be optimal. It's not, but your mind could believe that. So what are the guardrails? For me, I don't want to work at night. I used to. I, I worked a lot uh, during the, the greatness shift that we, my, my employee and I used to do Monday and Thursday from 9.45 p.m. till 12.45 p.m. And just we, we would like get off on the idea that none of our competitors were working and we were putting in work while everyone was sleeping. Well, looking back, that's just not the best way to go. You know, it was fun and that was part of the journey. But now at 6, maximum at 6, I'm done every day. That's just, that's just how I roll. Mm-hmm. So because I have that guardrail – it forces me to think differently about my workday because working at eight after dinner is not an option. But for the person for whom it is, they won't have the guardrails. They might not be as incentivized to be effective and efficient as I am. Mm. So, so let's zoom out a little bit here. And, and just the overall theme that I'm stoked to unpack with you is, is just the idea of kind of reaching your full potential and, and kind of stepping into the greatness that you can you can be but what's the best advice that you ever received when it's come to reaching your own full potential hmm let me scan 30 years of life and advice received um best advice it's funny when people get asked that question i'm always like i wonder what i'm gonna think that seems like it'd be a really hard question to answer and now I'm in that position. I'm like, damn, it's really hard to answer. Um, <laughs> well, make sure you get it perfect, okay? Because you're you're all about you know well, this is the it. highest levels of greatness. So just don't fuck I this one know. up. Though. Um, you know what? Like, I think this is a good example of it. Is have fun with it. Like, I don't know if it's a piece of advice I've received as much as something that I've like discovered over time. But um, one of my one of my buddies, one of our common friends, actually Noah Hammond a few years ago, gave me this reflection exercise. He said, if you really want to find the best way for you to reach your full potential, do this. Take a page of paper and write down five times uh, your five greatest successes, like the five times where you set out to do something and you really achieved it. And then under each time, write down a little blurb as to like, how did you achieve that? What conditions were present? What was your mindset? Who was supporting you? Where were you? And do that for all the times when you succeeded and then take another sheet of paper and write down your five biggest failures or the five times when you really set out to achieve something and you, you, didn't, you didn't get it. And then write a blurb underneath it to see um, what were the conditions. And for me, once I did that, the, the pattern was so clear. On all tens of these items, I was always focused. 
I was always working hard. I was always disciplined. I was always strategic. That's just how I roll with everything. But the difference is that the five times I succeeded, there was this feeling of lightness, of joy, of like having a blast with the process. And all the five times I failed, it felt heavy. It felt like I was grinding. It felt like I, you know, like suffer now so you can succeed later type of thing. Um, so with all this, like the moment I did that, I was like, man, I'm at my best when I'm having a blast. So the moment it starts to feel like a grind, it starts to feel heavy. I know I got to recalibrate and, um, yeah, you know, be bold, be aggressive, work hard, but have fun with it. Keep it, keep it playful. Cause that, that's really what like energizes our soul at the deepest level. Mm. Yeah, I love that exercise. And I'll add that to the queue of exercises <laughs> for, uh, for Russia when I'm out there. Um, so that's dope. Is there, is there any advice that you, that you see when it comes to other people who are coaches or are teachers or people who are um, really, really uh, teaching greatness, any advice that you see that you actually disagree with? And I'm actually going to make a caveat there, which is that you can't say uh, work harder because you've already kind of alluded to that today. So any other advice that you see about reaching your full potential that um, you just disagree with? You know, it's not so much something that people say because all that stuff, I don't listen to it. I just, I don't know. I just don't pay attention to it. So I don't know what it is. And I've not been on Facebook for like eight months. I don't know what people are saying. I'm I'm just laser focused and very, very intentional with like what input I lend into my consciousness. But the one thing I wish people were talking more about, uh, the wish, the one it's like, this is what frustrates me by a mission because no one's talking about this is... So the, I, the way one of my mentors explained it to me, there's four stages of consciousness. Stage one is victim mentality. Life happens to me. Uh, I'm at effect. I'm just like a thing in the world and all this stuff is happening and I have no control. So most people listening to this were, were probably past that or hopefully past that most of the time. Step two is creator consciousness. It's If it's up to beef, it's, it's up to me. I can make it happen. Um, you know, If I really determine, I can create a better reality for myself. That's good. That's a huge step up from, from stage one. And that's where most of personal development exists. And what I wish would be more present is stage three consciousness, which is co-creator consciousness. That means that I am always co-creating with something larger than myself. I am certainly have willpower and I have determination and discipline and a big part of it, you know, I, I have to do my role in the game, but I'm also a part of a large, mysterious, intelligent universe. And there's certain laws of the universe that I've observed that apply consistently. So my role is not to just make it happen and like force it into um, reality. It's more to do my part so I can align myself with this greater force, which is way more powerful than me, and then co-create with you know with God with the universe. So from that place, it's a little bit like the distinction. Stage two is like I'm going to teach you how to like swim harder and swim faster. Stage three is I'm going to teach you how to position yourself perfectly in the river so that the flow of the river takes you down. And you're going to go much faster than the guy swimming and you're actually going to, you know, it's not going to be as hard. So I wish there was more emphasis on that. Um, you know, if I do my part and I align myself with the universe, there's some sort of flow that will emerge and it, it might not look the way I, I thought it would, but there is some sort of destiny that I can align myself with. Mm. Um, so I wish that was a bigger part of it. And I wish people would um, 
yeah, not get so caught up in like, if it's up to me, it's up to me, like grind harder, work harder. And I know you said not to say this, so I'm, I'm kind of cheating, but um, <laughs> oh, couldn't help it. And by the way, if you're wondering what is stage four, um, you'll have to download my ebook. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, stage four is oneness. It's like recognizing that all is one. There's no dichotomy between me and the universe and the universe and me are one. Um, I'm not there yet. I've had glimpses of it. And it was really cool. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, it, that's 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 like next level. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's what I wish was a bigger part of the, the collective consciousness. This idea of like there are universal laws. The universe has some sort of mechanics to it. My role is not to make it happen. My role is to align myself with it and then flow down the river as I'm being supported by the ultimate wingman, aka God. <laughs> The big G, homie G. The big G, that's right. <laughs> so I love that. And this is something that I aspire to step into more often as well, which is getting out of my kind of ego, egoic self or just kind of like my own reality that I live in and aligning with something larger. What um, action steps, what grounded action, what's a grounded action that someone who's listening could take in order to apply this co-creator stage of consciousness? Uh, three steps, buy a plane ticket to Peru. Step two, go drink ayahuasca with the shamans. And step three, uh, no, that's, that's one path to it. Oh, man, it's been such a journey for me. Um, you know, that's, you're totally asking the right question. And it's, this one's a little bit more complex. You know, there's like three tips to being surrendered to the universe. Uh, let me think. Um, you know what? Like, I, I, I think this is the first thing that comes to mind, so I'll just spit it out. It's like spending more time in nature and observing how miraculous and how consistently nature works. Like, I, I live in the mountains, so I get to look at the trees every day, and nature just works without intervention. And it's just, it knows what to do, right? It starts with like this tiny seed, and then you look. A couple of years later, you've got this gigantic, magnificent tree. How did that come into fruition? And how is it that, you know, my nails grow every day? And, like, I look in the, in the sky, and like, the stars, it just it holds. So it's like looking for evidence of universal divine intervention in the world and, and really noticing that, like, there is a shit ton of stuff that works without me doing anything. And it's really quite miraculous. So if that applies for nature, if that applies for, like, a tree, why would these principles not apply to me? You know, I am a part of nature. I am an organism within a, a bigger ecosystem. So the more we can observe all the ways that it works, uh, that, that starts to like shift the gears a little bit. The second thing would be really stop, start, start observing serendipity and, and things of that nature in your life. Every time like something works out that just seems almost like magical, pay attention to that. And then pay attention to how did you get yourself to this the the, the state where this magic emerged? You know, th there's phases in our lives where everything just seems to work, and it's just like meet the right person, and then you have a conversation with a client, and it's effortless. We've had those moments. So, okay, what was it that created that? And we've had moments where we're just grinding; and it's not working. Well, so me, let I me, let me yeah. ask you there. So, for someone who's listening and they're really frustrated because what they're working on is seems to be not working, or it's challenging, or you know, it's just not easy. How do you discern between when it's just time to like 
give up with something versus when you're just being challenged to learn and grow something and how do you navigate that? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think if you're if you're feeling stuck right now and it's like you've been grinding, it's just not working. Like you're banging your head against the wall. We've all been there. Hit pause. Take a couple of days, take a road trip, go go camping, disconnect from it and like slow down and start to you know, kind of like ponder that. Is this not working because I'm out of alignment or is it not working because it is out of alignment? You know, is it me internally? I'm, I'm not in the right place, so that's why it's not working. Or this is just not my my path. Um, it's important to disconnect and gain perspective. And, and I know this can be challenging because when it's not working, at least me, my ego is just like, no, I want to like say I'm, I'm working on my website and something's not working. Part of me just wants to like stay at it until I'm going to make it work like classic stage two consciousness. Mm. And we got to start to be really finely tuned instruments and very sensitive to our internal feeling. And the moment it feels constricting and like we're like curling up in a ball and just like really tight, pause, go for a walk, call your grandma, do whatever you're going to do to just like relax again and then come back at it from this like more peaceful, more grounded state. So we want to lower tolerance to us feeling like we're about to throw a laptop out the window and, and, and immediately respond and, and stay in that high state. Because ultimately, the, the number one rule, if you want to align yourself with the universe, you've got to be in a high vibration. You're feeling good. You're feeling inspired. So to me, my number one piece of work is to get myself in that state. That's my most important work of the day. That's why I do that first thing in the morning you know, with my morning ritual and everything I do before I get to work. So my most important work is to get in this high frequency, high vibration, feeling good, feeling inspired, feeling grateful. That's, that's the most important work. That's the BT before the BTs and then from there doing it. So if you're feeling like out of whack, your work is not to figure it out. Your work is to go get yourself back in a good place and then from this place, it will figure itself out. The, you know, the, the answer will come. Mm. Yeah, and I mean me and you at this point in our lives have such massive freedom uh, and don't get me wrong, freedom in itself is, is, I think a lot of people look at it as something that's a really, um, amazing thing that it would be great to have. But the other thing is with great freedom, it's like Spider-Man, right? comes with great responsibility <laughs> as, as, as well. And you really need to learn how to, uh, navigate that freedom because it can be, if you don't know how to, how to use it and how to play in it, it can be overwhelming. It can be, you know, there's so much uncertainty, um, but for someone who's listening, they might not have the same level of freedom to be like, well, I'm just going to go to Peru or I'm going to go to Bali. Like, I got to go to work, dude. What the fuck? And there's like a certain amount of, I think, social conditioning that we've been working to strip off of ourselves as far as the way life works, who we need to be, what it means to be successful, and all these other kind of social constructions that we've adapted from society through our upbringing and through our culture. And I think, you know, when it comes to putting ourselves in such a, a high vibration and such a good mood, I think that's part of the journey is being willing to, you know, treat it like this is this is a long-term game that you're playing. This isn't about needing to always feel good immediately right now. Phil, the amount of meditation that he's done, the amount of, you know, training that he's done to be able to show up in, in a peak state is a lifelong journey. 
and I mm. think for for all of us, there's kind of that student uh, student mentality of like I'll never. It's not about getting there. It's about really just trusting that or, or leaning into the fact that this is our life path, and there'll never become a time where it's not about improving and, and getting better, and really learning to enjoy that process as. The, the destination instead of thinking we're going to arrive somewhere and then finally have it all figured out. Yes. Boom. Amen. <laughs> um, and there was another part of me that was like Nadia's voice in my head, which was like the anti-hippie voice, which was like, but what happens if you feel so good that you just don't want to do any work and you're going to turn into a massive hippie who never does anything with their life? Um, but I'll save that conversation for another time because that's her, her shit coming up, not mine. So uh, anyway... Um, all that said, uh, one last thing I'm, I'm kind of curious about that, that ties into this is um, when, we, when we look back on our lives, we can usually find periods where we've really taken quantum leaps in our evolution, meaning that we've really, in, in, a, in a period of time, something has happened that's really kind of um, jumped us to the next chapter of our life. And... I'm wondering if you have any kind of strategies for uh, systematically designing opportunities for yourself to make a leap into what could be the next chapter or the next level of your life. Mm, that's great. Well, I think, you know, you touched upon it. I think we both touched upon it in a way in this conversation. So you've scheduled a trip to, to Russia don't really know exactly why you're going or where you're going. There's just this inkling in your soul that there's something for you there. So travel is definitely a big way. And you know, it doesn't have to be um, it doesn't have to be going to Russia for two weeks. Not everybody can do that. But there's no reason why you can't take a road trip this weekend. Like that's you know, you can leave Friday night, be back on Sunday night, drive for two hours, pitch your tent, go in the woods. And, uh, and think about your life or go have an experience that you've never had. So I think, yeah, we'd all have constraints, but we also all have possibilities. So doing something like that, some sort of trip that just takes you out and, and takes you out of your, of your normal life and allows you to step out and look at your life from the outside, that always helps me. Also, of course, going to events, um, seminars, retreats, all of that stuff. Of course, you have to pick, you know, there's some good ones, there's some bad ones, there's some great ones. But I went to an event this weekend here in Colorado called 212. And uh, I have no doubt I'll have a quantum leap as a result because I put myself in a different environment around like really smart people, got all this input, had these great conversations. I come back this morning, I distill it. You and I had a great conversation before this call. And, you know, one key insight you share with me is really going to change things. Um, and then the third one, and this is a little bit controversial, but the intelligent, intentional use of psychedelics can really be powerful. And, you know, this is not for everybody, but it has been for me, at least part of it. I haven't done it for, for quite some time now, but you always using it, uh, doing good research before and being safe, being in the right environment and doing it with intention. The, the intention is not to get fucked up. It's to, um, explore some part of our consciousness so that can be really, really beneficial as well. For a lot of people, you know, if we're talking about quantum leaps and, and doing it like in 24 hours, uh, a great psychedelic journey can be that. So mm. I think, you know, those are all variations of the same theme of like getting yourself and allowing yourself to go in a different environment, whether internally within your own consciousness or 
physically. And then from this place, being able to observe yourself from the outside or being able to see things through a different perspective for you know some amount of time and then reintegrating your life with this new perspective and making the appropriate changes, I think that's how like massive level ups happen. But it's not going to happen if week in and week out, you're just you know going to work, hanging out at night, you know chilling on the weekend with your homies. That's not creating any conditions where things can get shook, shaken up. So you got to like do things a little bit more radically once in a while, you know, maybe once, once every month, every two months, every three months, whatever it is for you. Mm, dude, I love talking to you about taking our life to the next level. It can be <laughs> a jungle and you are an absolute tiger when it comes <laughs> to this stuff. Um, let me throw the ball to your court. I know you got a new project that you're launching, which uh, helps great men really become kings. Why don't you just kind of take us out of the interview, telling us a little bit about what you're up to, why you're excited about it, and how people can engage and connect with you. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm I, when this uh, episode drops, it'll probably be out. So newkings.co.co is my new platform. And I just feel like there's so many men out there that are doing a really good job, that are solid, that have everything that they've always wanted or at least have achieved a lot of the goals they set out to and still feel like there's something more that they could become, they could contribute. Even though everyone around them is like, good job, you're, you're doing so well. And deep down, they know that something more is available. But traditional personal development, they've already kind of mastered that. So where is it that we go for the more sort of advanced material, the stuff that will really challenge us and help us go from, from great to becoming a king? And doing that, why I'm so excited is because I believe that a big way that our society will move forward is that we need more kings in the world. Uh, men that are very powerful, but are also deeply caring, that are wise, but are also playful, and that develop their own power, not so they can you know make one more million dollars. You know, that's part of it. But even more so, so that they can help society become stronger and better and, and healthier. We need those those men to step up in that way. And in my experience, when men step up and become these kings, women can relax. Women feel safe. Women feel like they can be themselves and they can really bring out this beautiful feminine uh, energy. And that's whew, amazing and energizing for everybody. So I just see there as a big societal issue uh, and a big opportunity. And I think for a lot of men – um, they want that next level of, of evolution and it's hard to find it on the internet and I feel like I'm ready to to teach it and facilitate it uh, as I continue my own journey as I continue learning a ton every day. So newkings.co, uh, it's launching <laughs> right now essentially so go check it out and if this kind of material resonates with you, sign up to the email list and I'd love to build the relationships and, and, and go on a journey together for the, the months and years to come. Right on, dog. Well, great having you here, and uh, love you big time, brother. I love you too. Thanks for uh, giving me a chance to, to chat with you.